Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. I have alongside with me my co-host, my friend Parker Fleming. Parker, how's it going, man? You know, it's uh, it's going well. Um, I say this every week, Grant, but football is a, a day closer and I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be out of my storage unit, which mm-hmm. I am after um, this weekend. Um, shout out to the U-Haul in Fort Worth, which was a damn mess. And we had to basically argue and Connor way into the truck that we had reserved and then drive a 20 foot truck, um, about 2000 miles. Um, uh, how about those gas prices is all I have to say uh, after, <laughs> after that this weekend, we're filling that bad boy up at 120 a pop, getting about single digits to the mile. I'm pretty sure Grant, I'm responsible for global warming after driving that <laughs> truck this weekend. <laughs> Parker's uh, purchasing a lot of carbon offsets to uh, to make up for the damage you did to our ozone layer over the you last know, week. I, my stuff has been a storage unit for about two years, and so I think I'm actually unintentionally developing some of that like bacteria that eats plastic and mm-hmm. uh, and helps with it. So so I'm offsetting my carbon output by by you know breeding that funk and some of my stuff that's been in that storage unit for that long. God bless. Yeah, that sounds like absolute hell. Um, yeah, man, it's it's really quiet in the offseason right now. There is nothing going on outside of Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher sucking up a lot of oxygen, and no one wants to talk about that because that's been beaten to death. Um, can, so I Parker, ask, can I ask a question yeah, about that yeah. before we mm-hmm. totally going off script? What, it took us two minutes, less than two minutes, and we're going yep. off script here. Do you think that it is on June 1st, right? June 1st? On mm-hmm. June 1st, it is more quiet than normal this year? Or do you think that you and I are so mature and so used to the cycle of college football, we just realize that nothing happens right now and everything that's getting talked about is just people drumming up stories? I think it's the latter. I I think that if you look back, probably there have been things that have happened around June. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, Bob Stoops retired in June. Um, That would have been 2018 or 2017. Yeah. Uh, But for the most part, like, this is, like, the doldrums. This is, like, hey, nothing happened. So any bit of content at all gets feasted upon by the wolves. And so that's why Jimbo and Nick got all depressed that they did. Um, That's why, like, Lane Kiffin is getting interviewed on, like, what he thinks about Jimbo and Nick, all that. So this is really just, like, the bottom of the valley. Uh, Conference meetings aren't for another couple weeks. Recruiting's mostly died down. Everyone's just searching for a story. Uh, we are also in peak. I, I think this is a joke you made that I have just absolutely stolen about, you know, every every white guy who likes college football had a notebook in middle school where they were yep. drawing, drawing maps. We're kind of in peak um, peak season for that with all these conference, you know, no, there's there's pods, there's realignment, there's scheduling, all that stuff. Everybody's releasing their plan. Is we're, we're getting a lot of that right now as well, too. So that to me is just like, I don't care. I don't care. Um <laughs> It's I, mean, a lot I, care, of, I care how they do the scheduling and I've tweeted about it, but I'm just saying like generally it's just one of those things where it's like, this is nothing for us to talk about. Like this is not going to influence anything. It's a lot of like Ole Miss SIG apps, like diagramming how they can get Vanderbilt on the schedule every year for a free win. <laughs> like that's basically what this month is about. Like, okay, listen, like we can convince Who, Sankey what, to put us here. Was it Bowlesby? It was somebody around the big 12 who kind of said if, um, if the if the NCAA mandated you had to play like three power five schools, Vanderbilt and Kansas's phones would be ringing off the hook the next day. <laughs> and that's kind of the thing with the, like the one permanent rival. It's like 
you know, we, the Alabama Crimson Tide, have hated Vanderbilt for years and years and years. Back in 1920, they let a goat out on our out on our campus, and we have never forgiven them. I, Nick Saban, personally hate Vanderbilt. We want them as our one rival every year. If that was Bowlesby, that's very funny that he said that about a team in his own conference. Uh, I don't think it was Bowlesby, but it was somebody up. It was somebody who was like talking to the thing. I'm just going to say it was Condoleezza Rice. It was Condoleezza Rice. It was Condoleezza Rice. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. Well, listen, this is a great transition. Are you ready, Parker? Because speaking of the Kansas Jayhawks, it is time to start our Big 12 previews. Parker, before we get into the Jayhawks, let's establish a little bit of I know you like to talk about first principles. We're going to talk about first principles with Kansas coming up. But let's talk about our first principles with our conference previews, with our team previews, because we don't have guests. Um, We just kind of take a holistic look at a team. When you set up a preview, when you're researching, what are you looking for? What do you want to get across in our team previews? Yeah, well, one thing I think I'll say first is um, normally we like look at the first game of the season for TCU on the schedule and then like go backwards and kind of like reverse engineer how far out we are. And this year we didn't do that. So we might finish well before the season yeah, starts. Yeah, I think we're going to finish I like... Done the math I think we're going to finish like August 1st and it's going to be like, well... <laughs> we, might, we might like spread them out or something or do something, you know, it's, it's, we, we might move around. But... Um, we're at least kicking him off with Kansas. We wanted to do that this week. Maybe, maybe we'll have some guest episodes in between. But basically with our previous series, Grant, uh, a couple of years ago, we did an interview with a person from every single uh, team. Mm-hmm. And it was um, to varying degrees of success. I mean, we had guys like Randy Peterson uh, from the Iowa newspaper um, that is totally escaping me. I, was uh, I think it was the uh, Des Moines Register. If I remember Des Moines that. Register. Randy yeah. Peterson, great guy. Talked to us forever. Would have... Um, I, I think that he would have talked to us longer than like Coach Vass did when he came on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Randy was down to hang. That was great. Jack Johnson, who now covers um, the Royals out of Kansas, came on for Kansas. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting other other guys. I think we had Shayon on at one point and just some good guests. Um, but I, I, I think that we aren't journalists. And the temptation, Grant, is when we have people on, we try to become journalists and ask questions. And I think our preview series is unique and fun because it is kind of like we're doing our homework publicly. Mm-hmm. In my mind, and I'll let you respond to this, in my mind, our previews are focused on what do I watch for when I'm thinking about this team? How do I think about how I think about this team? Our, our previews are almost ontological, right? Like uh, we're, we're kind of talking about the nature of being with these teams. And uh, basically, I just want to say – What's the deal with this team? And I'm going to research and kind of find out, which helps me to watch and understand a little bit better this fall. Yeah, if Martin Heidegger was setting up a uh, a, a preview series, how would he do it? I think uh, was he a Nazi? He might have been a Nazi. Anyway, if some if some philosopher was setting up a preview series, how would he do it? Heidegger, I think, was bad. The Let's more not make that. that the episode title. Yeah, right, right. But no, but but I agree with your overall premise in that the best part about college football is watching college football. Right, and it's more fun when you know what to watch for. I mean, that's I, I still think about our conversation um, with Cody Alexander, where it's like, "Hey, watch the empty spaces." Right, that, that has been a foundational uh, conversation for me ever since we talked to him. And so, when we research, say Kansas, for example, which is a team that look like most of the media—we're not media, but most people look at it and say, "Well, it's Kansas; they're bad." Okay, sure, but Kansas is really interesting, and so 
like researching this just allows me and you, and I think hopefully our listeners to say, okay, well, when I watch Kansas, what am I looking for? Like, what are they trying to do? Um, who are the quote unquote stars? Um, like if Kansas is going to win a game, how are they going to do it? And so that's, that's kind of the approach I think that we take. And, and absolutely. And I think about with my model and kind of how I'm started really come around to thinking about games. It's thinking about, Hey, we have to look at like run pass selection. We have to look at what teams are trying to do, whether they're succeeding and small details like that, I think are really helpful. So these, these previews, I hope, are going to be a good exercise in just one, how we think about football, two, just some facts and information about teams, and then three, kind of a good just overview of, hey, I'm a, I'm a football fan. I'm not going to watch six hours of Kansas film, whatever. Like, what do I need to know? Uh, hopefully, these are all kind of good for, for those things. Yes, and I think, too, one other thing is that this is also a great um, player appreciation segments too where it's like hey like you know these guys probably aren't going to be on the Heisman list but every team in the Big 12 has a couple guys where you're like dude that guy's a dog like he is really good so we'll try to highlight those along the way just hey like this guy he may not even play in the NFL whatever he's really good and you should have fun watching him so can I slap a can I slap a metaphor maybe an allegory sure you you know when like someone's running their first marathon and a friend of theirs will like hop out and run a mile with them mm-hmm. while they're struggling or whatever. I kind of think of these previews a little bit in that player appreciation sense is like, we're just hopping out and running, running a mile in the marathon with some of these guys. Like I, I want to get excited last year. How much should we talk about Jalen Petrie last year? Like, yeah, it's Baylor. I hate Baylor, whatever. Uh, it's still cool to be like, this guy is awesome at football and this is really fun to watch. And so uh, kind of going along with those players, I, I think we'll be pretty optimistic this um, in these, in these previews generally, and we have been. So these are fun. I'm excited about them. This is a great lead up to the season, in, in my opinion. Well, so you said, you said we we're going to be a little optimistic, but Parker, I think you and I each prepare quotes for Kansas football to start these previews. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say they're the most optimistic quotes. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I think I think that um, I think mine's a little more optimistic than possible. I, I, okay. I was thinking about how to think about uh, Kansas and and really Grant. I was thinking about how I could just let everyone know that I think I'm smarter than them. That was kind of my two <laughs> goals here when I was looking for a quote because you know normally we'll do country music and um, one shout out to last season when we did every TCU game as a country music song. Yep. We're absolutely doing that again this year. That yes, was just excellent. Great content. Um, but so this year I was thinking about how how should we think about college football. And I turned to um, philosopher Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who is credited with the first person to kind of bring up this idea of suspension of disbelief. And he says, um, it was agreed that my endeavors should be directed to persons and characters supernatural or at least romantic, yet so as to transfer from our inward nature a human interest and a semblance of truth sufficient to procure for these shadows of imagination that willing suspension of disbelief for the moment, which constitutes poetic faith. My hope in this podcast, Grant, is that we can have a little bit of poetic faith about what Lance Leipold is doing at Kansas and and what Kansas wants to be and, and that they're kind of on the right track. So willing suspension of disbelief is like when we talk about religion, when we you, you go watch a movie, um, I, I read a book about space, right? Um, I read this book uh, a couple months ago about like a uh, planet of spiders that like hyper evolves into like sentient beings. And there was this technology issue that I was like, this is so dumb. I can't believe they'd make this technology mistake. 
without realizing I'm reading a book about spiders that can talk. Like that shouldn't be the thing I care about. So you just have to, you just got to push, push your, your disbelief away a little bit. And that's how I wanted to frame how we're going to talk about Kansas. No, I think that's really great. I love the idea of poetic faith. Um, I also am obsessed with the idea of suspension of disbelief. And I think this, if, if I keep talking, it's going to be an hour long podcast about the idea of suspension of disbelief. So I will stop. But um, I'm, I'm here for that. I just want to let you know. I honestly, okay, but uh, let's apply that to football, right? So I am down for suspending disbelief for Lance Leipold, for the Kansas Jayhawks, all that, and almost kind of grading things on a curve, right? Kansas is not Oklahoma. Kansas is not Alabama. They're Kansas. At, at the same time, it's you can suspend disbelief and say, okay, well, these guys are trying new things. They're not five stars, whatever, but also kind of point out the glaring weaknesses to where it's like, look, I'm, will, I'm rooting for Kansas in most games, but sometimes it's like, man, what are you doing? Or like we're not going to sit here and say Kansas is going to make a bowl this year right. out of out of right. gritty. We're not going to gritty be gritty optimists right. for, for the hell of it. Yeah, right. absolutely, exactly. Um, the quote I prepared uh, is, is is from a noted philosopher as well, uh, James McMurtry, as from the song Carlisle's Hall. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard not to cry and cuss when this old world is just bigger than us, and all we got is pride and trust in our kind. Staring down that long, steep slope, we gather round and we hold out hope. Because at the end of the rope, there's a little more rope most times. So at the end of the rope, there's a little more rope. It gets dark, but there's a little more rope. There's some hope to, ho- to hold on to. And I think Lance Leipold and the Kansas Jayhawks are providing that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, uh James McMurtry is the official country music artist of the <laughs> Purple Theory yes, podcast. Yeah, I think, I think I've quoted him the last like four for times. For a while, yeah. it was the Turnpike Troubadours, and I'm not I'm not broken up with them, but um, I think we've moved to in our in our old age to McMurtry. <laughs> um, that song. This is a complete segue and totally underscoring your point. That song has one of the funniest lines because I understand this situation really really well, having family from Southern mm-hmm. Arkansas, and Northern Louisiana, where they say <laughs> the warden. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The warden's got that green uniform, and the kids think he's a jerk. But you know he's somebody's cousin, and we can't, can't have, have a hometown boy, boy out of work. <laughs> that's it's great. That's excellent. The best. Yeah. You, yeah. You uh, a genius. Um. <laughs> that's what we're gonna do when we when we run out of episodes. When we realize, oh shoot, we're gonna finish on July fifteenth. If we keep doing previews, we're just gonna talk. We're just gonna do Larry McMurtry podcast. James McMurtry. We could do Larry McMurtry. We could do Larry too, too. Honestly. Um. Okay, let's talk about Kansas. Let's preview let's Kansas. Let's talk about them in uh, in 2021. Uh, I, I think that Kansas, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a good year by any stretch of imagination. They were 2-10. and 10. They were 1-9 and nine in um, football. Grant, um, or in the Big 12 Conference, Grant, very important. Kansas did beat Texas. I, is that correct? I'm seeing this here, and I, I, I'm really struggling to understand that. Did that yeah, happen? I had to go back and rewatch game film just to make sure. But yes, they did indeed beat Texas at Darrell K. Royal Memorial Stadium, 57 to 56 in overtime. Golly, um, yeah, just just an excellent, um, excellent reality there. What a crazy game! Very fun. Can I point out too, and not to interrupt you, that game was right after the uh, TCU Oklahoma State game, which was just a total ass like ass kicking. And so I think I turned off TCU Oklahoma State like after the third quarter. I was like, screw it, I'm riding with the Jayhawks, and like just watched that game for the rest of the night. And it really, really made me happy. I think that was also the same week as the uh, uh, the monkey and the pole assassin uh, for Texas football. I'm almost positive. 
So, uh, hell of a week. I'm forgotten about all of that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, what a what a crazy world we live in. Um, yeah, so Kansas did beat Texas. Um, I just just people more more and more people are talking about that. Um, Kansas uh, wasn't really good at anything. Grant, I've gone through and I've adjusted for opponent um, some basic statistics and just kind of said, all right, given the landscape of college football, given how you did, given how your opponents did against other opponents, let's let's kind of uh, account for these adjustments. Kansas was a hundred and twentieth at EPA margin. Uh, minus 0.326. So on average, every play over the course of a game, they averaged being about a third of a point worse uh, in expectation than their opponent. Um, Echo ratio grant, which is my, uh, excuse me, echo margin, not the ratio. It's more informative. is just kind of like the rate of quality possessions. So on offense, that's quality possessions over drives. And on defense, that's quality possessions over drives. Kansas was minus 26.2 percentage points. Hmm. Um, that was 120th in the nation as well. They were 112th in offensive EPA per pass. That's that's negative uh, 0.175 uh, or, uh, on, on offense. Um, and so most teams are close to zero or positive in passing because passing is a little higher upside. Um, we'll talk about why Kansas was, was negative there. They were 123rd in rushing at negative 0.149 EPA per rush. That stood out to me because I had in my mind that they could rush the ball pretty well, but I have a theory about why that is and when we kind of get into some of these style notes down here. Finally, Grant, they were 125th in net success rate, minus 15.9 percentage points. So opponents on average, um, that, that's like a difference of 50 to 35, 50 to 34 yeah. if we're going 15.9. Uh, if you think about success rate, remember that's 50, 50% of yards on first down, 70% of yards on second down, and a conversion on third or fourth down. Um, and so a 15 percentage point margin is, is is really, really bad. Kansas wasn't one of these teams where they were generally successful on a lot of plays and then a couple big plays broke them. On average, they were they were they were really struggling with efficiency. Um, and, and, and those, I mean, being in the hundred twenties there, that's down there with Yukon, New Mexico, Akron, like just some absolute dregs. And so of course, as we talk about positivity, we're, we're keeping that in mind because 2021 was by no means anything to be proud of, except that they beat Texas. They did beat Texas. Yeah. It, it was a tough year, but Parker, if you look at results, right? So two and 10, obviously not great results, but they were weirdly close in some games, or at least competitive in some games, right? So they played Coastal Carolina at Coastal Carolina. It was 49-22 Coastal, but honestly, I would expect that to be a bigger blowout. Um, dude, And that 50- game was only 28-15 to 15 at halftime? Yeah, I Which think is that's right. two scores? So, yeah. yeah. They had a halftime lead at Duke, and then just got absolutely boat raced in the second half. Okay, fine. Oklahoma, it was 35-23, so close game. I mean, I don't. Uh, they weren't really in it, but still close. Um, uh, well, they they were Oklahoma. Sorry, I don't mean to push back. No, Oklahoma fine. had a twenty-one point fourth quarter. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. It was seventeen to fourteen Kansas at the end of the fourth quarter. The and, third. Okay. Or at the end of the third quarter, excuse me. That's right. And, okay. And that's right. That's when Caleb Williams did the like that. Like Caleb Williams had to do the little like throw to himself, absolute batshit play for them to kind of pull away, and then they were able to to, to pull the. Um, uh, they yeah. pull the trigger and get that get that second score to distance it and make it you know better than 20, 28, 23. Yeah, you're right. I had to confuse the different game. Yes, so had a lead on Oklahoma going into the fourth. 
Um, and then, so the last three games, Parker, and this is really, and we'll get into this later. Jalen Daniels started the last three games at quarterback. That was a 57 to 56 overtime win over Texas. Again, I don't know if you've heard they beat Texas in overtime in Austin. Uh, lost to TCU by three, 31, 28 on like a last second field goal. And then lost to West Virginia, 34, 28 in the last game of the season. But again, those are one score losses with a quarterback that they finally found. So, yeah, the metrics, pretty terrible. Not a good football team. But the results, better than what you would expect, I would say. Trent Johnson, who is uh, TCU's basketball uh, coach. And he talked about, um, and and, and he was by no means, you know, an excellent basketball coach. um, But he talked about how, the difference between like how a program gets good and bad, and this is a little bit Bobby Bowden, but basically Trent Johnson was just like, I, I don't want to get crushed. I want to have crushing losses. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's a goal for us. That wasn't true all season of Kansas last year, but those last two games, they very, they very much should have beaten TCU mm-hmm. and they very much could have beaten West Virginia. They, they had crushing losses, those two games. Um, and so that's, that's positive with Jalen Daniels kind of starting at, at quarterback there. Um, a couple other things, looking at those results that I that I was looking at, um, I, I did a little win probability calculation just based on EPA differential. And uh, the, the games that stand out to me, TCU, they had a 28.9 postgame win probability. Texas was 17.8. Oklahoma was 15.4. Coastal Carolina was 15.7. Those are their highest games. Everything else was in single digits. So uh, maybe we're overselling that West Virginia game based on kind of the underlying stats, but I still like that it was a one-score game close at the end. Um, and I think that they are very clearly far off in a talent sense from their opponents, but the fact that they're able to be scrappy at times is definitely a good thing. Remember, they don't have a full scholarship roster. And, yeah. and I've said this till I'm blue in the face. I've said this exact thing three years in a row now as we've been doing this preview, but like not only... Does that hurt your depth on the field on Saturdays? That limits your development, especially of linemen, because they're not getting quality reps against good opponents. And Kansas um, is building that out, but that is, that is still really hard uh, without having full 85 guys on scholarship. Yes. And I think, too, you talked about suspension of disbelief. Um, so I'm, I'm going to pick on, I don't mean to pick on Texas for a minute, but let's use Texas as an example, right? So uh, the whole, you know, whatever season that was, Texas is back. They beat Georgia in that bowl game. You can look back on that season and say, okay, well, a lot of these results, it was kind of house of cards type stuff, right? We're like, okay, they scrapped out some wins, whatever. No one is accusing Kansas football of being a house of cards because they are bad. Um, so the suspension of disbelief is, is almost saying, okay, we know that this team is not good. But the fact that they were able to pull out those results is encouraging. Whereas if a team has a bunch of close wins, um, it's like, okay, well, you know, those could have gone a different way. And again, Kansas, they had a lot of bad losses too. But it's it just saying, hey, they're, they're kind of close to winning four games, which is a major step for Kansas. He cast a, cast a vision there of, hey, you got blown out by Iowa State and Texas Tech. So... You, you blow it in the second half to Duke. You get blown out to Texas Tech, 41-14. You get, uh, you get 59-7 to against Iowa State, absolutely murdered. You go to Oklahoma and play your ass off and are in that game yeah. until the very end. Then 
you get blown out by Oklahoma State 55 to 3, almost blown out by Kansas State 35 to 10. You're 1 and 8. You could go home. You could just quit. And they didn't quit those last three games. I think that's absolutely huge for the vision that Lance Leipold wants to put at Kansas to say, no, we obviously need a talent upgrade, but like we are football players. We are a football team and we can compete when we prepare and take care of stuff. Like that's absolutely what he wants. And there, there's a little bit of, dare I say it, proof of concept in those last three games. I think so, especially with Jalen Daniels, which we'll get to. But um, I know you have style notes as well for Kansas. Yeah, wanna, yeah. yeah. So a couple things that I think are, are interesting. Um, so again, uh, I, I really think that we underestimate, Grant, the um, idea of selection between runs and passes in college football and looking at people who um, – like how they how, – how people are successful and how teams choose to be successful and how that comes across in aggregate stats. And so Kansas um, – they allowed 12.9 yards per successful play. That was 60th. That's right in the middle. And so that that's kind of twofold. One, they have a, a high success rate allowed, but also um, they were allowing chunk plays. They weren't these just fluke, you know, completely broken defense, 60-yard successes. Uh, kind of like I said earlier, it, it, they, they were allowing chunk plays, but they really were kind of taking the top off of those of those chunk plays and not just, you know, not just completely breaking down, but still obviously struggling on defense. Um, 52.6% of their total yards came on allowed total yards allowed came on rushes. That's the ninth most in college football. In fact, only about 12 teams had more than 50% of their yards allowed. Um, fun fact, TCU was one of those 12 teams had more of their yards allowed by through rushing than passing teams were, um, because of the overwhelming talent advantage grant teams were just saying, we can run on you. It doesn't matter. Like we don't have to challenge you in the pass game. That's worrisome because that, Passing defense was so bad, knowing that teams are rushing against them. So uh, on defense specifically, um, 128 in expected rush rate on defense. So opponents were expected to rush um, the 128th most, or least, sorry. So second most out of anybody. They were um, 33rd I, in rush rate. Oh, yeah. Can I pause you? Sorry. Um, we're going to do like a 30-second explain to an idiot. Why does expected run rate matter? Uh, so it's like yeah. in, in down distance situations. What's the yeah? So it's down. Uh, so a little bit of game game script like score clock left. Mm-hmm. Are are you inside the goal line? Like are you goal to goal? And then down distance yard line. And so just saying generally, most teams does the average team run or pass more often in this situation? Mm-hmm. And so expected rush rate just says here's the menu. Um, of, of how often teams are expected to rush against you. And so that really ties in when we look at rush rate over expected, right? Because we get a baseline. And so that rush rate over expected, Kansas's defense was 33rd. Um, and so that, that means people were in the top, in the top third of college football. Uh, teams are rushing against Kansas a whole lot more gotcha. than expected. Gotcha. So it's basically so, saying, we know we can run on you. We're just yes. going to do it. Don't even worry and about any, any. Even if the situation calls for a pass, like we're probably going to run more than because we normally we would. Can just get through like a sieve. Yeah, it's yep. three things can happen when you throw the ball. Two of them are bad. We're just going to run on you and, and pick up the first down anyway. Yep. And so okay. that brings me to like my first kind of insight about Kansas and something I'm interested in is so they were 33rd in rush rate over expected against. Um, and that that indicates that they're not very competitive, right? They they're getting pushed around and. Also, the teams have have big leads and are just running the clock out. Um, I think a goal for Kansas in 2022, as we kind of move forward, is 
could could they be competitive enough on defense to get that number closer to the 60s, closer to the middle of college football, so that there's not such an obvious weakness in their run defense that teams are just running against them regardless, or they're not getting blown out so much that teams are just running against them. I think that's like a clear, tangible metric for our teams just having their way running the ball against us and not caring, or our teams having to actually run their offense. So Grant, Kansas could go two and 10 again next year. But if that rush rate over expected number is in the 60s or the 70s, that's like a huge improvement for Kansas's defense of, hey, you had to respect us a little bit and you had right. to figure out how to move the ball against us. For sure. And having watched a little bit of game film today, it, it there were no good spots in that defense. And the one that there was, Kyron Johnson is now in the NFL, faced with the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll get to this later, but I'm very curious to see if they can address the gaping holes in the defense that existed in 2021 because it was, it, it was not good. Yeah. The secondary, I mean, talk, I talk to I, me about film. You, you watched no, a lot of I, film. I, I really didn't. I, I stayed more in the data. Yeah. So. I, I watched the Texas game and I watched a little bit of the TCU game, but I mean, speaking defense specifically, it was like they'd never seen a wheel route before. Um, Kenny Logan at safety is, he's a good safety, but at, at some point he was trying to cover too much of the field because the corners were getting burned. Um, Kansas plays a four-down style. I, I had a hard time discerning. I think it's a 4-3. They could have brought a safety down and a 4-2 and just kind of played them on the linebacker line, but don't do that to me. Uh, <laughs> 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 you just got to get the overhang, you know, and then the sure, bare front. You get sure, the tight front, sure. the big nickel comes in, you get the blicks on the black side, you know. What about the star on the Joker and the robber? <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but and, and the back. You got playing. that cowboy coming up that sniffer right there. I hate defensively. So I love football talk. <laughs> um, and the backs are playing far off the line. Like they are six yeah, yards back yeah. from the line of scrimmage. Um, and so again, watching the Texas game, for example, Texas had like three running backs out. Like Bijan got hurt. Other guys, Roshan Johnson, which is mowing through people. It, they had no edge support whatsoever outside of Chiron. Um, quarterbacks are getting, I mean, it, it I don't know. It wouldn't even miscommunication. They just were getting burnt on routes. So I, I'm, I don't know if they have the personnel to really kind of improve. Um, we'll talk later about the transfers that they brought in, but um, they're trying to play a very, not conservative, but like a very like, you know, I don't want to say stereotypical, just a, a base defense, right? They're not doing anything fancy and they just don't have the personnel to do it. Um, I would like them to get really weird on defense, but they, they, they're not at this point. So I think that's a choice they one made by not hiring like Todd Munkin sure. um, from Army. And, and I, I think that's interesting. So for as much as I, I, I'm sure this is Godfrey that was the first one to talk about it. But like he was the one saying like Oregon State run the triple. Yeah. Right. And that's not a bad idea. But look at what jo- Jonathan Smith has done at Oregon State. Their mm-hmm. offense is dirty and they're building on defense. Um, if you consign yourself to being good by being weird. You pigeonhole your development and your ceiling. Sure. And so there is something to be said about like, hey, we're going to, we could, we could run the triple. We could run like a two, four defense or something weird and, and confuse people and, and eke out some marginal wins right now. But I think Lance Leipold really has a long-term view of Kansas and says, you know what? We're going to build up. We're going to get scholarship players in here. We're going to play good, consistent football, and we're going to be good at the things that matter, not good at the things that confuse opponents. No, I think that's really fair. And honestly, I like I said, I, I being weird would have been fun. I agree with that. I, I, I 
we'll get to it when we talk about the offense in a bit, but I love what Leipold's doing. Sorry, I'm knocking over a Diet Coke bottle that I drank in work today. Um, I, I love Lance Leipold. I love what he's doing at Kansas. I just think the defense doesn't necessarily have the personnel to succeed at the moment uh, with the base scheme that they're doing. Five years down the road, who can tell? I hope he gets that leash, but I understand it's going to be it's going to be a steep climb if they're going to get to where they want to go on defense. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do Do you want to go ahead and talk? Um, let's talk offense because uh, I'm 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 jacked to talk about this offense. Let's talk offense, and then we'll go back to defense because I think okay. that's the biggest. The, the, like the offense is, I think, the unit that has more immediate intrigue. Yes. Um. Okay, so so we're getting into units here, and again, thank you for being patient as Grant and I figure out how we're actually structuring this, but we're talking through it, we're figuring it out. Um, uh, so overall, they're returning 82% of production, according to Bill Conley. I talked about this at length last week on the solo podcast. Um, uh, almost two predicted conference wins, kind of based on this, this model of returning production, which has its merits and has its uh, demerits, if you will. But on offense, they're returning seventy five percent, which is second most in the in the conference, um, and and really have some some dudes here. So the big the big loss is is Kwame Lasseter, twenty six point eight percent of their passing targets. So more more than one in four of their passing targets, not just receptions, but all pass plays, went to him. Um, he's off to the NFL. That's that's a big loss there. Um, but they do have three guys who are really productive in Lawrence Arnold, Trevor Wilson, and Luke Grimm. Uh, I think last year we talked about Luke Grimm kind of filling that slot role and maybe being a nice counter to, and then I think Andrew Parchment like transferred after we did our yeah. preview and just kind of screwed that whole thing up. But um, they're, they're three really productive guys. Lawrence Arnold had 16.5% of targets. Trevor Wilson had 158 and Luke Grimm had 106 Um uh, uh, a nice, if if uninspiring, a nice kind of solid trio. If that theme is emerging, Grant, of we're going to do the basics and try and get a little bit better at the basics every year as we fill out our roster, I think these three guys are, are interesting. I do too. I, I'm a big Luke Graham guy, um, which I don't know if that's a really popular block to be on, but even if you take Graham out of the equation, I mean, you look at Arnold, um, six foot three, um, Big target. I mean, you know, you lose Kwame Lasseter, that's not necessarily great. I do love that Google Docs has uh, translated Kwame Lasseter the second to Kwame Lasseter 11 in, a, <laughs> in your document as I look at it. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Lawrence Arnold's a big target. Um, Trevor Wilson, 5'11". But Graham plays like a... Graham's such a good route runner, and I know that's like the most stereotypical like slot receiver compliment, but he's really solid. Um, I think they have three guys that, that can get open. Um, Arnold's only a redshirt sophomore, so he's he's going to develop. Um, Grimm's a junior. Wilson's a junior. Um, and the way Leipold structures his route trees is really smart in that he always gives the quarterback an open option. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do with that. I, I, I think there are opportunities. I wouldn't say for big plays. I think Lasseter was a big play guy. But I think they can scheme these guys open to get eight yards, nine yards, 10 yards repetitively uh, when they're clicking. Last year, um, just a little bit about um, average depth of target. Uh, Grimm was 12.6. Arnold was 12.5. Wilson was 11.3. And Lasseter was still 9.0. And so Lasseter was kind of that like, oh, shoot, I've got to get the guy the ball sort of a deal. And um, 
again, that's not average depth of yards uh, of route run. That's average depth of target. Mm. And so it could be the case that they couldn't find him downfield as much, even though he was downfield. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, but three guys there, I think that are that are you know in Grim Arnold and Wilson, who are all similar profiles, and um, I I think are potentially like consistency is the name of the game on offense for Kansas. And so having those three guys, I think, is is pretty good. One thing that I did circle, we'll talk about him rushing. Um, Devin Neal only had 10 targets. Um, average 8.1 yards per carry, but all of those were like behind that. You know, his average depth of target was like negative 0.1 as a running back. I, I, I wonder if Leipold, given what we know about him, like with Jarrett Patterson at Buffalo and Kyle Vantries, if they're going to be able to get the running back involved a little bit more, because as these Big 12 defenses are evolving, you have to be multiple. And, and the, the the running back pass game there, I think, is really important. And it doesn't seem like Devin Neal really has that um, that 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 skill set has not been tested or, or utilized, if he has it. For sure. Neal was a freshman last year. So I wonder if they were just like, hey, we're going to hand you the ball and go to work, and we're not going to ask you to do too much. Uh, and we were talking about Dalton Gardner. Yeah, year, like, right. Who's Devin Neal? We didn't Right, know. right. So I, I would imagine that he takes a step forward in that role. Um, and like I said, well, I, like you said, we'll talk about him later, but I really love Devin Neal. So. And, and and to to his credit, Barton Simmons, uh, who is now general manager of Vanderbilt, um, did his scouting report on 247 and said – specifically that Devin Neal is a smooth pass catcher out of the backfield. And so I I think he does have that. I don't really know if he's going to have that. um, I I don't know if they'll be able to incorporate that this year, but I am at least interested in, um, in, in whether he gets involved with their other option, you know, with their highest target option leaving. Can I, okay. I I won't cuss on this podcast. Can I, uh, (laughs) can I, uh, Grant left the F word in the other week. <laughs> I did. That was an accident. Um, all of Kansas' running backs are built like brick outhouses. So I'm just going to go down the list. Shithouse. Brick shithouse. They're built like brick shithouses. Devin Neal is 5'11, 214. 5'11, 205. 5'10, 219. 5'9, 204. 6'2, 226. 6'2, 12. These guys are dudes. Like, they're solid okay. dudes. I just sent. A, I just put a link in the chat there for you. I just want you to click that, and I want you to understand why that's the case. Their their offensive coordinator, Andy Kotelnicki, is a is a stout dude as well. Oh, I think oh he yeah, has a that guy is um, a. And so yeah. I, I think he absolutely wants like a barrel chested runner, a guy who's gonna, um, a guy who's just gonna you know line up and play football. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got like eight of them, uh, and Devin Neal is the one I'm most excited about. I, I'm. Uh, I think he's going to be really yeah, good have, as a so freshman. We, he's, he, if if he, you don't have anything else sure. uh, right. in the pass game, let's go to the rush game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the blocking's not great. We can start with that a little bit. Um, Kansas returns to everyone, but I think there's one of their guards, uh, Malik Clark. Uh, yeah, who is uh, – who, who I, th- I think he's a bad person if I'm oh, remembering that well. well. I don't okay. want to besmirch anyone, but I do think that he had some issues off the field. I will say that PFF rated him as their worst starting lineman. So there you go. Uh, Maybe I'm just projecting on that. I'm sure that Andy Mitz will listen to this and correct me if I'm I'm wrong on that, and I will I will tweet and apologize if I am. But um, yeah, yeah. But so the blocking wasn't great, and a lot of times they were also like trying to come from behind, so there probably wasn't a lot of running game in the mix. Um, 
But so I, here's where I kind of want to talk about scheme a bit because, you know, I, like I said, I watched all the Texas game and, and some of the TCU game, and Kansas always has, I don't want to use absolutes, I would say over 90% of the time they have six down linemen, counting a tight end, right? So they're willing to be big up front. We know Lance Leipold um, is very proficient in developing running backs. We saw what he did at Buffalo. Um and that run attack, they're willing to get big up front and just say, hey, um, we're going to run out of the pistol a lot, which I love, um, and get those guys. It could be outside. It could be inside. They are willing to get big up front. And I think Kansas can develop a really strong running attack. I would say that I'm more excited about their running than I am their passing, even though I love Jalen Daniels, because I think the scheme works really well um, for the way they want to run the ball. It's like a fine blocker. Yeah, um, he's their he's their main tight end. He's yeah. the tight end that's in there. I don't know how big he is. How big is he? He's 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 a hefty six fellow. five two fifty. So yeah. I I'd, I'd like to see him be a little heavier. I think um, is he Mason Fairchild? He's two sixty one. Okay, so he is a little heavy. Good. Yeah, you listen to me. That's great. He, he's a large lad. Yeah, uh, maybe he's in the best shape of his life. Who can who can say? Um, yeah, I think I think that's important on the blocking. I also think yeah, you lose Clark. <sighs> Okay. Addition by subtraction, maybe. They're bringing in uh, two guys from Buffalo. Neither of them are um, n- neither of them are particularly um, uh, amazing. One of them is a redshirt freshman who's a little bigger, this Nolan Gorzika, I think is his name. And um, he, he was recruited by Leipold. He stayed at Buffalo last year, appeared in four games. Um, and so obviously that's one of Leipold's guys. He's got a big frame. Uh, the other one is DeAndre Dorian, who is also uh, recruited by Leipold. And so it looks like he may have like kept some guys and brought them over kind of farm farm club style, which is mm-hmm. smart football. And uh, Dorian started 10 of 12. He's also 284, 6'4", 284. So I think he'll fill that guard role. And so very clearly, I think Kansas is going to keep their kind of top five, um, their starting five of, of players as Nowitzki is going to be the center again, mm-hmm. Bostic and uh, Bostic's going to be at the tackle and Cabalu is going to be at the tackle. And then you've got Ford at that other guard. So you have yep. four solid starters. And then either of these Buffalo dudes can come in. Maybe, maybe Gorzika competes for a tackle position because he's pretty big. And then Dorian's super experienced. I'd be surprised if he wasn't starting at that guard position in, in lieu of Clark. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want me to say it, or do you want, do you want to say it? Returning production is good only if the returning production is yeah. good. But consistency is generally good. So Also, why do I want Earl Bostic to be like an NFL guy? I don't know why that's just ingrained in my head. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I just get these fixations. I don't know. He's, he's a unit. He's 6'6", 315. And I will say I love Kansas's uh, team website because they list him as quote, super senior. Um, yeah. So they don't list like grad, whatever, they, no, super senior, which I Super love. senior is is this generation's BMOC, big man on campus. Yes. He's yeah. like, nah, he's a super senior. Yeah. Um, Parker, I am dying to talk about Jalen Daniels. If you have nothing else, I would love to talk about Jalen uh, I do. I just look these up and I sure. want to say them out loud because again, I just forget to say some things like this. Um, in the rushing game, Devin Neal, 41% of attempts, he only had a 13.4% first down rate, but against Texas, 22.7 first down rate, yeah. 6.27 yards per carry. You love to see it. 
You do. Um, He's Devin Neal, really good. Consistency across an offensive line that clearly at times could run block. Adding in a couple options and some depth at offensive line. Feel pretty good. Feel 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 pretty optimistic about the Kansas run game. Yeah, I think it's going to be better than it was last year. Which, again, steps forward was, are what we're looking for. It right, was bad progress. on the aggregate last year. It got better towards the end of the season. Maybe it'll be a little better at the beginning of the season and still improve. Yep. Yep, that's what we're looking for. Parker. Jalen Daniels. Talk to me about Jalen Daniels I, specifically. I now have a man crush on Jalen Daniels. Parker. Okay, point of information. Two weeks ago in the podcast, Grant, who was trying to put Jalen Daniels in a terrible category? And me. I I adjusted the categories to say he's fine. I stand by that. That aged well. So here's here's what I love about Jalen Daniels. And I'll, I will accept all criticism for not putting him in that tier. He flips his hips so well. He sets his hips beautifully, right? So he, he rolls out whatever. He took a sack. I, it's the most impressive sack I've ever seen, okay? So he, he's rolling left. He's escaping pressure. He's looking downfield. And instead of, you know, flinging it or just kind of, you know, flipping it or, or checking down, whatever, he, he sets his hips to make sure that he can make this throw. And then gets tackled because his line doesn't have any any protection whatsoever. It's only a two-yard sack, so not the, the end of the deal. I think they actually got a first down on the next play. But he makes the right decision so often and is willing to sacrifice half a second to make sure that he has the base behind him to make throws, which I think a lot of quarterbacks don't do. I am so impressed with Jalen Daniels. I, I, I think he has so much potential. You have him listed in your document as not much of a runner, and I wouldn't say that's his primary skill set. I think he's a good runner when he has to be. Um, but I, I think he has shown a lot of fundamentals that most quarterbacks don't have. He's going to be a junior this year. I can't wait to see what he does. He only earned a starting job in the last three games. He completed almost 70% of his passes. He's really good. Um, I, yeah, so so uh, Jason Bean, for instance, Grant, had um, 48 designed runs and 25 scrambles. Uh, Jalen Daniels had 10 designed runs and 9 scrambles. And so I think that's a good thing. I think Kansas's offense could be this chaotic version where Jalen Daniels just makes plays. Yeah. Um, you might even say if you know Jalen Daniels has that dog in him, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a good Kansas oh, yeah. offense. But again, kind of like the being weird thing with like running the triple or weird defense, it's good that Jalen Daniels can stay in the pocket. I find, and a little bit I watched of him, there are plenty of opportunities where he could lose his mind and be frantic. Yeah, and he looks smooth, not frantic. He's still moving and everything. But I, again, in my informal opinion, and again, I'm not saying he's you know the second coming or anything. Like right. he's not, but he, he's not bad. You watch him and you think. Hey, in the right circumstance, this could be a fine starting quarterback. Can I read you a very sad stat that I just read? Oh no! This is in a this is from 2020 for the record. Uh, it's on Jalen Daniels' page on Kansas's website. <clears throat> the freshman quarterback's 36 yard pass to Luke Grimm in the second quarter. I'm going to read that again. 36 yard oh, pass no. to Luke Grimm in the second quarter was the longest passing play of the season. Oh gosh. <laughs> So, 2020, that was a couple years ago, it's for a live old. Golly, that is depressing. Uh, anyway, I, I I think, I wish he had one more year with Lassiter, but I'm excited to see how he partners with Neil, especially if Neil does get more involved in the passing game, and I think he has the tools to achieve what Leipold wants. Even if 
you know, there might be guys around him that don't, and that might impede, probably will impede how the offense performs. But I think he can do what Leipold wants, and I'm I'm jacked to see how it turns out. Yeah. Um, no, I I totally agree, and I, I again I don't think Jalen Daniels is you know in the top half no, of quarterbacks I, I, in the Big Twelve, but for what Lance Leipold wants to do, I think he's a great building step, um, and, a, and a delightful surprise for for Jason for filling in for Jason Bean, who I think we thought was gonna. I, I thought last year Jason Bean had lost the job to a twenty six year old yeah. at North Texas, which he had. Um, then Austin Ani is coming back, like is going to be the oldest man in college football, I think. And um, and so I thought, oh, okay, lost a job to an old guy. It's like Power Five or G Five, whatever. Uh, Jason Bean didn't pan out, and it's just this amazing. Like they found they found this guy. So I think that's that's pretty great um, overall. And and they can start to build um, some consistency and kind of get the pipeline going with with some of those guys there. Um, the other thing I want to talk about on the offense, Grant, before I leave because I think this is important is um, the running back who transferred in, Kai Thomas from Minnesota, mm-hmm. basically took over for Mo Ibrahim, who was hurt. Mo Ibrahim, great running back for the Minnesota Golden Gophers, um, and 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 shared some of the load and um, did, did pretty well in terms of attempts and yards and, and, and uh, touchdowns last year for Minnesota. So uh, a really productive rusher. That only helps Kansas, one, because you get another option. Maybe you do some two-back sets with Neil free him up to be in the passing game a little bit more, or, you know, you're not one big, big thing for Kansas. Kansas has been for a long time, one injury away from just abject disaster, not just like awful football. This is miserable, but from like, Oh, we can't even play and bringing a guy like Kai Thomas, who's a, who's a, a high functioning power five player, I think really, really helps your running back room. For sure. And he's not the only transfer. I mean, they even brought in Savion Morrison, uh, the running back from Nebraska, um, yeah, they're trying to kind of stack that Who running back core. Six oh two twelve. Right. Let's Again, go. another bowling ball they're trying to bring in. Um yeah, no, I think it'll be a big help and, and again that sort of tag team between them and, and Neil is gonna be uh really exciting. Um speaking of transfers, so I think we've we've kind of covered that the defense has a lot of holes that um Kyron Johnson maybe was the guy and he's not there anymore. Um Kenny Logan again, good safety. Kyron Johnson, dude, 81 grade on the edge, 39 pressures, six sacks, it's hit, fourth on the team with 43 tackles. Uh, Absolute dude for them. Huge, huge loss. I mean, he deserved to be in the NFL. Sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, As far as their defense and kind of holes, I I, grant I was, I'm going to make an obscure Parks and Rec reference, but um, they're doing the Harvest Festival and Leslie is sitting down with Ken Hotate, who is the tribal local leader. And they, they're saying, hey, this Harvest Festival is like on the site of this atrocity um, in, in Pawnee. And they show a map and it's a blue map with a couple of white circles. And they're like, this is a map of all the atrocities committed against these people in Pawnee. The atrocities are in blue and there's just like three white circles and like all over. And that's kind of the issue is like I could show you a map of the hole on Kansas's defense and be like, oh, the, the holes are in blue. Right. And there, I think there's uh, – um, there's a dude and a half. Am I yes. okay? Yeah, that's, that? that's so fair. Kenny Logan, 89 tackles, only targeted 18 times out of 296 total targets against Kansas. Super versatile, Grant. 265 snaps in the box, 364 at free safety, 66 covering the slot. Can move around. I think one big issue evidenced by those, those only 18 targets is that the supporting cast around him in the past game was so bad that teams just said, we're not throwing at you. 
Like we don't have to challenge yeah. you. Why would we do that? Um, and and so that's that pass defense, man, is so bad. If I look at um, if I look at CFB graphs uh, and and pull up Kansas again, their passing defense, 128th, allowing 0.366 EPA per pass. Um, just absolutely abysmal. Even as teams were rushing against them a ton, they still could just do whatever they wanted in the past. They've got to get some help around Kenny Logan, man. Yeah, they have to. So I think they've tried to augment that with transfers, right? So I kind of want to go down the list here. You've compiled a great list of, of the guys coming in. Um, so you start a little bit at linebacker, right, with Eric Gilliard from UCF. You've noted tons of experience, two years of eligibility. And then Craig Young from Ohio State, right? So up front at linebacker, that's going to be a huge boon covering the middle of the field, helping yep. in the rush defense. Those guys have to start next to Gavin Potter. Like that, yeah. if, if it's going to work this fall, those two dudes need to be dudes that can come in and start. Right. The linebacking core was so thin. It was not good. And it was so bad last year. So let's just, again, grades are only what they are. Um, I lost my thing. I pulled up CFB graphs and I lost my tab uh, all over the place. I, I Can I say, I love that you, you reference CFB graphs as if it's not your own website. Um, which is I'm, not a, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Um that I was hate a quote you. From, I hate you so much. Sean Puffy Combs. I'm kidding. I know it's Jay Z. I just thought it was funny to say the wrong thing and to call him Sean Puffy Combs like it's 2004. <laughs> I think he's just Diddy now. I, I think anyway. Um, Whatever happened to Snoop Lion? That's what I want to know. Right? I, I don't know. Um, that happened and then immediately it was like, no, no, no. Well, I'm not doing that. I'm just going okay, to I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, so okay. I got the linebackers up. Uh, woof. This look. Um, okay, of guys who had significant snaps, I have four players. Uh, I'm not going to put people on blast. I've got a 47.8 grade, a 36.6 grade, a 49.0 grade, and a 56.1 grade. Like, linebacking core is not going to get done. Um, another thing that we've looked at TCU-specific, Grant, when your safety is leading your team in tackles, that means your linebackers are getting worked. Yep. Uh, and so you've got to have... Gilliard is a redshirt senior. He's played 38 games at UCF. Um, and he only played four games last year. So pending there, you know, there not being some injury that we don't know about. He has two years of eligibility, has a ton of experience, is pretty fresh from last year, has to be a guy. And then Craig Young, 6'3, 230, absolute big body in the middle. Um, he played in 26 games at Ohio State. Uh, and he played in all 12 games last year. So I, I I think that Young and Gilliard have to just plug in next to Potter for this defense yeah. to work at all. Yeah, I agree. And then you look at the secondary. You bring in uh, Marvin Grant at safety, who should play next to Kenny Logan. Um, Jared Paul from Eastern Michigan. Kalon Gervin from Michigan State. Uh, you have those noted guys that can sort of plug in and just, if nothing else, Parker, and this is sort of what you pointed out and I agree with, so forgive me for just repeating your talking points. The Kansas just needs depth. And so these transfers just provide warm bodies to put in at these positions. And we'll see what happens. But at least there are more people that can play football for Kansas. Um, yeah, and be competitive and have multiple options. And again, not be a defense, not be an injury away from just absolute disaster. Uh, again, I can cast a vision for this defense where I can say... I, I don't know, may, maybe Lonnie Phelps from Miami of Ohio is going to be a guy at the edge and can can replace a little bit of Kyron Johnson. But I think maybe you lose some of that pass rush ability 
and your your pass defense gets a little bit better on the back end. Maybe that's how this kind of equilibrium works out. If you can get four new starters in the defense to gel, maybe they're going to be better. Um, but the defense is definitely a lot uh, uh, a lot farther away than the offense. But the defense is at least getting bodies in there, which is which is huge. It's encouraging. Parker, do you want to do a little bit of win loss on the schedule? Want to play this game? Yes. So, okay. so I'm going to tell I, you right yeah. now. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to record our predictions in my phone because we say a lot of weird oh, shit on I this podcast. Dang it. Okay. I have it. I just did this off the cuff like I always do, and I'm going to release them. No, I, okay, I'm, not, I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you to go by your. I'm just. We're going to do it live. This is Parker, not a model. I'll, I'll, I'll yes, no, for sure. Later. Okay. We're, we're doing this Bill O'Reilly style. It, we're going to do it live. Okay, so let's just get into it, okay? Okay. Tennessee Tech at home. Got to win that game. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a win. You got to win that. Okay, let me rephrase that. Kansas beat, who was this? This was South, South Dakota, Dakota 17 year. to 14. Uh, I think the year before, they didn't play an FCS game, but the, the two years before, they should have lost to Illinois State. Indiana yep. State, the Sycamores, Indiana State. They, they have to win... This game by double digits. Just yeah, for the love of fair. God. Two score game. Yep. Yep. I I, I would agree. Um, they then go to West Virginia on the road. Week two. Dude, this sucks. Yeah. This back-to-back. Um, I think they're going to lose West Virginia. I, I think they will too. So we'll get to it in a bit. Kansas' schedule is abysmal. the way it all turns out. This, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Houston, I think that's a loss. That's two. That's one and two to start the season. That yes. sucks, man. Duke at home. I think that's a win. Uh, I think you should. If you are where you want to be this year, I think you got to win Duke. Okay. So yes or no? Uh, yes. Okay. I'm saying bet greater than fifty percent win probability. Yeah. Okay. Iowa State at home. Okay. I keep chunking these. I'm sorry. I'm going ahead. But here's how I think about games. They've got to. They. 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 If, if they're going to steal one, I feel like they're going to steal one of Iowa State TCU. Yeah. Those are both at home. They're back-to-back. They have Duke before. I think their bye week is in there. Yes. It, uh, it, no, their bye week is uh, after Baylor. Oh, okay. Different story. So they're ramping up. Um, uh, I think that they are going to lose both of those, but I feel like an expectation they should win at least one. I have a win over Iowa State, but okay. I'll do it. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Then uh, at Oklahoma, I'm just going to chalk it down as a loss. So win, win at Iowa State, loss against TCU. Okay. We're going to line on these. This is going to be boring. Um, Oklahoma, loss. Yeah. Yeah. At Baylor, I think loss. if it was at home and it was earlier in the maybe. season, maybe, but it's, yeah. But, yeah. By week. Uh, and then home for Oklahoma State. That's a I loss. The loss. Um, Texas Tech on the road. The road makes me work. I, if this was home, I would say this is the win. game they win. I would say win. Season. But, yeah. but I, I just... It sucks that I, they have at Texas Tech and at Kansas State. Because if yeah. both of those were home, maybe there's a shot they win one of those. Yeah. I, I think lost, but I would not be surprised if, if, if they stole one, I think. Of, of those two. 
If they yeah. won two of four of Iowa State, TCU, Texas Tech, Kansas State, I they're not beating Kansas State. That's huge. I, they're, they're not going to beat Kansas State. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Maybe Baylor instead of Kansas State. So if yeah. they, uh, because that's two at home, two on the road. Iowa State at home, TCU at home, Baylor at, on the road, Texas Tech on the road. If they win two of those, one that's two conference games. They haven't done that in forever. Right. But two, that's impressive. Yeah, I I think Kansas State. Or sorry, I think Texas Tech is a distinct possibility for a win. But I, I especially would, because Kansas should be getting better over the course of the year, like they did last year. You almost would okay. like. I'm for talking, Iowa State I'm talking myself to into it. I'm talking myself into it. I'm, I'm yeah. calling it a win. I'm calling it a win. Okay. Uh, I'm probably still calling it a loss because it's on the road, but I, I'm I'm with that's it. Fine. I see I'm it. talking myself into it. Uh, Texas at home. I I want to call this a win so badly. I, I think it's going to be a loss, but that's yeah. And then Kansas State. Uh, I believe that's on the road. Yes, it is. I think it's a loss. I think Kansas State will be rolling by the end of next season. Um, Golly. So, um, if we're talking about uh, the German word for enjoying the suffering of others, Schadenfreude. Adrian, Adrian Martinez losing, losing it home oh, to God. Kansas in his last it's college football really game. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing against Adrian. It's not happening. Put it I don't. I don't enjoy. I don't. I wouldn't enjoy his suffering. Um, Shout out to Scott Wildcat. Actually, Grant, can you see? I have a Bosco's Boys. I do um, see. Koozie tonight. Yeah. Wow. Hell yeah. Uh, what's their... Are they eat them up? No. Every man a wildcat. That's what they are. So you have you have Kansas going 3-9, and nine, and I have them going 4-8. and eight. And you're, Okay, and you're, so I did... Yeah. Talk about that. I did a little probability. So I just like ad hoc was like West Virginia, less than 30% win probability. Houston, less than 30% win probability. Duke, 50%. Like just put a number on it just offhand. And that got me to 4.7 wins, best case scenario. Because I add all those up and you kind of get like a, mm. a second order probability of wins or whatever. And so like flirting with five would be insane. That's way too good for Kansas. But I think four is is absolutely doable. Best case scenario, everything's clicking. Is that likely? No. But that that's more than can be said for Kansas in a, in a long time. Doubling their wins. Yeah. That's huge. This is going to be the hard part, Parker, is that when we do the Texas Tech preview, and what I assume will be a week or two, is that I'm going to have to go to the Kansas game again and say, yeah, Tech will win that, and then I'll have to reconcile that with the <laughs> prediction I made <laughs> this week. I'm playing both sides, so I always come out ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, but okay, so here's what we'll do. I've decided this on the fly. You ready? For the end of our previews, we're going to give sort of a sense, right? So what's the sense for Kansas? If, if you are neutral, but but you are hopeful for the team, for example, what's sort of the general, I don't know if emotion is the right word, but sort of atmosphere around the team? And for example, Kansas, I think hopeful is the right word. I, I, I think there is not quite proof of concept, but proof of the fact that hiring Leipold was the right move. And there's enough personnel to be excited about watching Kansas football. And I think that's a sentence that has not been able to have been said since the days of Mark Mangino. Um, so I think hopeful is the best word to describe Kansas football. What, what would your word be? Yeah, I think you absolutely cannot look at 2022 in a vacuum and yeah. expect to feel good about Kansas football. But I think that if you look at Kansas football's 2022 season – as a building block on the road to Kansas being a bowl team, which is huge. Bowls matter. Yeah. That's a big deal. That would be incredible for Kansas. 
Um, I, I think that 2022 is is fondly the year before the year. So okay. Like, okay. This is when we got things in order. This is when our roster started turning over. We were not just get, we weren't getting blown out every two weeks and then being competitive every three weeks. We were being competitive week in week out. Um, I, I think that there is that optimism of understanding like long term. This is what the this is what the game is, or this the, this is what the plan is. Um, uh, there, there's some negative connotations with this lately, but this is a trust the process year. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and I think that I, I put some, I put some specific, let, let's do, sorry. Let yeah, me go ask ahead. Question no, to you. What's, yeah, yeah. what's your sense? Like and I said, I'll do my specific uh, keys. Uh, hopefulness. Yeah. I think it's hopeful. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, just, there is it's, optimism around this team. There's a reason to be excited. The, for, the stands are not the girl knitting. They're, they're college kids getting drunk and watching football. Yeah. That's a big, yeah. that's huge this year. No, that's absolutely huge. Although shout out to knitting girl. Go to the football yeah, game and knit. Yeah, Who cares? That's that. awesome. I don't but, care. Um, we, we had talked about last year, Kansas not being a meme. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they, they made a significant step towards that. And, and this year, um, if they could be, if they, if losing to Kansas is not a meme that you get blasted for forever, unless, uh, except Texas, they should always get blasted for right. it. But, uh, generally I think that if a loss to Kansas is, um, an upset and embarrassing, but not meme worthy, that's, that's a big step. <laughs> Rewatching that Texas Kansas game. Texas had to come back to force overtime. Like they had all the momentum and then Kansas won anyway. You know Sark was like threatening to murder people's families if Dude, they didn't come I back. I would have quit on the spot. Like not because he did a bad job coaching, I would have quit on the spot. Well the coach freaked out on the bus after and they yeah, like yeah, that's right. I mean they ran off like thirty players, dude. Good. They didn't deserve to be there. Honestly, I would do the same thing. Um, yeah. Parker, is there anything else you want to say about the Kansas Jayhawks? Yes, I think that I'm trying to also um, just think about tangible like keys or goals. And I have four of those for Kansas, and I'll okay. just toss them out there. And then, holy cow, dude, we're at 105 on Kansas. Yeah. Strap in, <laughs> folks. We did like no banter. We just <laughs> we just went for it. That rules. Um, okay, so here are my four things for, for Kansas. One, do not spiral. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to have an FCS game, and then they're going to go at West Virginia, at Houston, rebound and beat Duke. Yeah. Don't don't let those we don't let those games kind of compound. Um, same thing. Iowa State TCU is a little easier. Then you have Oklahoma at Baylor, Oklahoma State. Don't spiral against Texas Tech. Don't let that be a blowout again. And so I think that not spiraling is big. I think getting better um, means uh, that's my second goal, and that means that Baylor and Texas Tech, you're 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 in it, and you're you're maybe winning those games. Those are a little later in the season, and then Oklahoma State and Texas, which are wrapped up right in there at the end of the season are not huge. You're not getting crushed. Those are crushing losses, right? Those are competitive, yeah. scrappy games. Um, third, I think is build the, 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 the 25 man cap is gone for two years. Kansas has to take advantage of this. They have to get to an 85 man roster of living, breathing, like rated recruits. And so that'll be going on during the season. Cause they have to attract those guys and figure out how they get those guys in here. Um, and then, then, then fourth, in terms of that, like competition, a tangible metric, I said this earlier, is that rush rate over expected, get that out of the thirties, get that mm-hmm. into the sixties, be competitive enough that teams have to run their offense against you. They don't get a free bye week And, uh, and that rush rate over expected being in the sixties instead of the thirties is a good measure of, oh, teams had to play against us. Yeah. I think those are very fair. Uh, I would say achievable goals, uh, for Kansas, um, 
again, beat Texas again, and I think we still consider it a successful season. But again, that's the whole thing about Kansas not being a meme. So what if, just, what if Lance Leipold coached at Kansas for 10 years and he only won 10 conference games and it was just Texas every year? Put him in the ring of honor. Statue? Yeah, statue. statue. I, I think statue at what, what's their stadium name? Uh, it's not Gaylord, is it? No, that's Oklahoma. It's uh, Sunflower Bowl. I don't think. It. David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. Put him in the ring of honor. Wasn't that the guy that assassinated Lincoln? That was John Wilkes. Uh, David Booth's oh, going true. to be some sort of like civil rights hero. We're going to look like shit. Oh, um, shoot. What? Sorry. No, I, no, <laughs> he's not. It's, he is uh, the executive. So back to Heidegger earlier. Actually, yeah, David yeah. Booth is He is, is the executive chairman oh. of Dimensional Fund Advisors. Oh, so he's a rich guy. He's. I need to say for, for, for legal purposes, I was making a joke. I'm not saying anything about his character or whether he was. No, I don't think he is. Uh, David Booth did not assassinate. Abraham Lincoln. I can say that confidently on this podcast. Stats o slander. Uh, welcome to the Purple Theory Pod. No, um, okay, last thing real quick. I just yeah. asked people about the Kansas, um, like what are their, I said, uh, what, what's your, what is Kansas hoping for this fall? What's best case scenario? We got a couple answers. Um, Will, Will Bratcher, a friend of the pod, said just don't lose to Tennessee Tech. Um, they get Texas at home this year. Should be an easier win. And you just <laughs> got to find that third win somewhere. I, and I think the jokes aside, the third win is big. Yeah, the third it win is. It's is. huge. And it's it's important. Uh, Jay Urban uh, also says like four wins would be it. I think over 2.5, if you're inclined to be in a betting sense, is important. Um, John yeah. Lund said that. Um, and then finally echoing that, Zach Beal, I think we have a consensus here, just said, um, if if more more wins than last year is the obvious answer, and 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 not blowing games in the second half, finishing yeah. opponents off in the second half, there are, there are multiple wins on Kansas too. I think wins on Kansas's um, schedule last year where they just blew it in the second half, and I think Kansas wins three or four games and is close in in a couple more. That's a huge step. It's a huge step. Just be respectable, and I think Live pulls the right guy for that. So uh, I think they're on the right track. Parker, we have done officially 69 minutes on the Kansas Jayhawks. Some people said it could it could not be done. Uh, I, I think I have another 30 minutes in me. I, I probably could do another 30, honestly. About, uh, yeah, <laughs> we could go. But um, no, this is great. This is fun. I feel, one, optimistic about Kansas. And two, I feel like I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Devin Neal in the passing game. I'm looking for who kind of fills that, that run block slot. I'm looking for... Does the pass defense have enough to free up um, uh, 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 Kenny Logan to play one position and play it excellently? Yeah. Those are the keys to look for. And this has been Parker, Purple Theory Podcast. You can find Parker Fleming at Stats of War and across college football internet and all of his new roles and exciting positions and all that. You can find me at Grant McGallard. I don't do any of that, but it's felt like it sound with all those pals on Twitter. Um, this is the first episode of our Big 12 preview. So for the next 10 weeks, barring any weirdness, we'll be uh, putting out a team preview each week. So make sure to subscribe, like if you feel so inclined. Uh, I, Parker, I will give a tease. There is exciting news coming in the middle of June. And that is the only tease I will give. Ooh. But people should, should stay abreast of any potential developments. Until then, uh, stay safe and uh, go Frogs. Go Frogs.